0: Section twenty five of the Works of Guy de Maupassant, Volume three, by Guy de Maupassant. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista. The Log It was a small drawing room with thick hangings and with a faint, judicious smell of flowers and scents about it. A large fire was burning in the grate while one lamp covered with a shade of old lace on the corner of the mantelpiece threw a soft light onto the two persons who were talking she the mistress of the house was an old lady with white hair but one of those adorable old ladies whose unwrinkled skin is as smooth as the finest paper and scented impregnated with perfume as the delicate essences which she had used in her bath for so many years had penetrated through the epidermis. He was a very old friend, who had never married, a constant friend, a companion in the journey of life, but nothing else. They had not spoken for about a minute, and they were both looking at the fire, dreaming no matter of what, in one of those moments of friendly silence between people who have no need to be constantly talking in order to be happy together when suddenly a large log a stump covered with burning roots fell out it fell over the fire dogs into the drawing-room and rolled onto the carpet scattering great sparks all round the old lady sprang up with a little scream as if she was going to run away while he kicked the log back onto the hearth and trod out all the burning sparks with his boots when the disaster was repaired there was a strong smell of burning and sitting down opposite to his friend the man looked at her with a smile and said as he pointed to the log that is the reason why i never married she looked at him in astonishment with the inquisitive gaze of women who wish to know everything that eye which women have who are no longer very young in which complicated and often malicious curiosity is reflected and she asked how so oh that is a long story he replied a rather sad and unpleasant story my old friends were often surprised at the coldness which suddenly sprang up between one of my best friends whose christian name was julian and myself they could not understand how two such intimate and inseparable friends as we had been could suddenly become almost strangers to one another and i will tell you the reason of it he and i used to live together at one time we were never apart and the friendship that united us seemed so strong that nothing could break it one evening when he came home he told me that he was going to get married and it gave me a shock as if he had robbed me or betrayed me when a man's friend marries it is all over between them the jealous affection of a woman that suspicious uneasy and carnal affection will not tolerate that sturdy and frank attachment that attachment of the mind of the heart and the mutual confidence which exists between two men you see however great the love may be that unites them a man and a woman are always strangers in mind and intellect they remain belligerents they belong to different races there must always be a conqueror and a conquered a master and a slave now the one now the other they are never two equals they press each other's hands those hands trembling with amorous passion but they never press them with a long strong loyal pressure with that pressure which seems to open hearts and to lay them bare in a burst of sincere strong manly affection Philosophers of old, instead of marrying and procreating children who would abandon them as a consolation for their old age, sought for a good reliable friend, and grew old with him in that communion of thought which can only exist between men. Well, my friend Julian married. His wife was pretty, charming, a little, light, curly-haired, plump, bright woman, who seemed to worship him and at first I went but rarely to their house, as I was afraid of interfering with their affection and afraid of being in their way. But somehow they attracted me to their house. They were constantly inviting me, and seemed very fond of me. Consequently, by degrees, I allowed myself to be allured by the charm of their life. I often dined with them, and frequently, when I returned home at night, I thought that I would do as he had done, and get married, as i now found my empty house very dull they seemed very much in love with one another and were never apart well one evening julian wrote and asked me to go to dinner and i naturally went my dear fellow he said i must go out directly afterwards on business and i shall not be back until eleven o'clock but i shall be at eleven precisely and i reckon you to keep bertha company the young woman smiled it was my idea she said to send for you i held out my hand to her you are as nice as ever i said and i felt a long friendly pressure of my fingers but i paid no attention to it so we sat down to dinner and at eight o'clock julian went out as soon as he had gone a kind of strange embarrassment immediately seemed to arise between his wife and me We had never been alone together yet and in spite of our daily increasing intimacy this tete-a-tete placed us in a new position at first i spoke vaguely of those indifferent matters with which one fills up an embarrassing silence but she did not reply and remained opposite to me with her head down in an undecided manner as if she were thinking over some difficult subject and as i was at a loss for commonplace ideas i held my tongue it is surprising how hard it is at times to find anything to say and then again i felt in the air i felt in the unseen something which is impossible for me to express that mysterious premonition which tells you beforehand of the secret intentions be they good or evil of another person with respect to yourself that painful silence lasted some time and then bertha said to me will you kindly put a log on the fire for it is going out so i opened the box where the wood was kept which was placed just where yours is took out the largest log and put it on top of the others which were three parts burnt and then silence reigned in the room again in a few minutes the log was burning so brightly that it scorched our faces and the young woman raised her eyes to me eyes that had a strange look to me it is too hot now she said let us go and sit on the sofa over there so we went and sat on the sofa and then she said suddenly looking me full in the face what should you do if a woman were to tell you that she was in love with you upon my word i replied very much at a loss for an answer i cannot foresee such a case but it would very much depend upon the woman she gave a hard nervous vibrating laugh one of those false laughs which seem as if they must break thin glasses and then she added men are never either venturesome nor acute and after a moment's silence she continued have you ever been in love monsieur paul i was obliged to answer that i certainly had been and she asked me to tell her all about it whereupon i made up some story or other she listened to me attentively with frequent sighs of approbation and contempt and then suddenly she said no you understand nothing about the subject it seems to me that real love must unsettle the mind upset the nerves and distract the head that it must how shall i express it be dangerous even terrible almost criminal and sacrilegious that it must be a kind of treason I mean to say that it is almost bound to break laws fraternal bonds sacred obstacles when love is tranquil easy lawful and without dangers is it really love I did not know what answer to give her and I made this philosophical reflection to myself Oh female brain here indeed you show yourself while speaking she had assumed a demure saintly air and resting on the cushions she stretched herself out at full length with her head on my shoulder and her dress pulled up a little so as to show her red silk stockings which the firelight made look still brighter in a minute or two she continued i suppose i have frightened you i protested against such a notion and she leant against my breast altogether and without looking at me she said if i were to tell you that i love you what would you do and before i could think of an answer she had thrown her arms round my neck had quickly drawn my head down and put her lips to mine oh my dear friend i can tell you that i did not feel at all happy what deceived julian become the lover of this little silly wrong-headed cunning woman who was no doubt terribly sensual and for whom her husband was already not sufficient to betray him continually to deceive him to play at being in love merely because i was attracted by forbidden fruit danger incurred and friendship betrayed no that did not suit me but what was i to do to imitate joseph would be acting a very stupid and moreover difficult part for this woman was maddening in her perfidy inflamed by audacity palpitating and excited let the man who has never felt on his lips the warm kiss of a woman who is ready to give herself to him throw the first stone at me well a minute more you understand what I mean a minute more and I should have been no she would have been I beg your pardon he would have been when a loud noise made us both jump up the log had fallen into the room knocking over the fire irons and the fender and onto the carpet which it had scorched and had rolled under an armchair which it would certainly set alight i jumped up like a madman and as i was replacing that log which had saved me on the fire the door opened hastily and julian came in i have done he said in evident pleasure The business was over two hours sooner than i expected yes my dear friend without that log i should have been caught in the very act and you know what the consequences would have been you may be sure that i took good care never to be overtaken in a similar situation again never never soon afterwards i saw that julian was giving me the cold shoulder as they say his wife was evidently undermining our friendship. By degrees, he got rid of me, and we have altogether ceased to meet. I have not got married, which ought not to surprise you, I think. End of section 25. Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista.